Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. Once again, that's the sound of rock cracking. You've got Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. Last week's show, we dealt with a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude for those who went in on D-Day, June the 6th, 1944, 75th anniversary. We did that show last week. And this week, we're going to continue with, as President Donald Trump did go to Normandy did go to Omaha Beach, and he gave an arousing speech, an important speech, and so says one of the best, if not the best, he's given during his presidency. Even those who oppose President Trump were commenting on what a good speech it was, and it was. So we're going to play some of his words uh, uh, on the second half of the show, and we're going to talk about D-Day again on this show because. There's so much that was hanging on that day, and so much was at risk, and so many people died. So many soldiers died and were wounded. And there are a couple of things I wanted to pick up on from my last week's show. And if you haven't listened to last week's show, please go back and listen to that. Uh, I mentioned there a friend of mine that I grew up with uh, all 12 years of school is still a friend today but his father died a couple years ago jt street and uh his father was jt street and i talked about uh how he had gone to uh plant explosives and, and that may have been wrong what jt street did the night before d-day uh during the evening he he volunteered and they went where the the, the boys of quanti ho uh, and that was a speech that President Reagan had given about them on the 40th anniversary of D-Day during President Reagan's uh, presidency. And I'll tell you what, in a minute I'll play a little bit of President Reagan's speech because it was an outstanding speech. But what J.T. Street had done is go in and they drilled holes in a rock to help. So when the, when the boys got there in an invasion, it's 225 Army Rangers but they would have places to start their climb up uh, 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 the cliffs, sky-high cliffs, to take some guns out. And J.T. Street got, uh, went there, volunteered at night, and during the night got there, drilled the hose, got back, and uh, and then uh, and then he was on the landing craft, and he went to Omaha Beach, one of the worst beaches. Where the, the 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 just so many people died, and I you remember if you go back and listen to the show, he was the one that noticed people, the the Navy guys who were directing the the landing craft weren't getting close enough to the to the coast, and they were letting guys out too soon, and they were drowning with all their um, jumping in with their 
back uh, backpack all their packs and uh, everything and they were sinking so he was telling everybody take your backpacks off get get rid of everything and uh, so they'd have a chance to survive and and uh, of course he did survive and it was a horrible horrible day uh, for those who were in the midst of the hell that went on the beach there in omaha and uh and during the invasion so that I wanted to point that out. There's a couple more things I told you last week in the show about uh, I had seven uncles on my dad's side, three uncles on my mom's side during World War Two, And there's, of course, each of them. My dad had many cousins, and they were in the battle. But there's one, Earl Montgomery was uh, his first cousin. And, and, uh, and he's since, of course, passed away. But I got to talk to him some about he went in not on D-Day, but uh, D-Day plus two or three. Is, it was a couple of days afterwards. And he said that he never will forget. And he showed me a little vial of sand that he, he, he got off the beach there because he said he knew what he had witnessed, what he, where he was uh, getting off the ship and going on to the beaches was something that was unlike anything that had ever happened in the world before in, the, in military history. In world history, because he said the immense armada, that the, the supplies, that these things had been uh, for two or three years. You know, America had been producing all this equipment in the factories, and and they'd been storing it and got it by ship over to England, and and they just vast warehouses of equipment and supplies, and tanks and trucks. And everything imaginable was sitting there ready to go. And so, of course, that didn't go in on Invasion Day. They tried to get some tanks in there. It didn't work on Omaha and other places. But now that they had a beachhead, and that's why D-Day was so important, that was phase one to, to get the beachhead. But to go inward, they had to have all this equipment. And Earl Montgomery is telling me about, he said it was, you couldn't describe it, the eye could not find what the eye could see the mouth could not bring words to say the mass the massive armada of ships that were unloading and lines of tanks and trucks and all kind of supply trucks and all kind of uh, and men just coming out by the tens of thousands and and that's what that's what D-Day was about to get a beachhead and they succeeded in getting the beachhead. And then the thrust to go against the Nazi regime and all the the battle-hardened veterans and the and way they put in defensive stops all through France to protect the Nazi regime. But this massive army had been unloading because of what the men did on D-Day. And uh, that's where I, I just wanted to... I left that out last week, but the way I wish I had recorded him, I didn't. And I, but the way, but this is what he told me. He says they came in in the sand and, uh, you know, to walk through the sand over the beach where these men had fought just a couple of days before. And he said the stench of death was everywhere. He said the army had done everything to uh, clean the battlefield. They didn't want these young 18, 19, 20-year-old young men seeing dead bodies. So he said, you knew there were tarps 
and under those tarps you knew there were bodies but they had cleaned it up so you wouldn't see dead bodies because they they didn't want the young soldiers being uh having fear they wanted to see the clean they said he, they tried to sanitize that battlefield they said the stench of death was everywhere he said you could still smell the burnt flesh when you went across uh, some of the uh places where you know the concrete bunkers that the nazis had and they'd gone in and they'd use fire uh flamethrowers to help uh uh, get rid of the Germans that were manning the, the concrete bunkers. He said the, the smell of burnt flesh was still singed into that concrete, and you could smell it uh, as you walked by them. And, you know, it, it, the, the blackened part of the concrete where the flamethrowers went, and he said it was just, it was something that was almost, he said it was unbelievable to think of what went on in the battle. But he said more than that was seeing the effect of that because of what those men did who fought on D-Day. Now you had this massive armada of equipment from the very best from factories all around America that were producing these war vehicles, the Jeeps, the the uh, all the uh, different even landing craft and makeshift ports and all these things that had to come about and had come in because the beachhead was taken. And and he said he knew in all of history nothing like this had ever happened. And, you know, and probably won't ever happen again the way it was, the way war has evolved with uh, missiles and, and laser-guided missiles, and you probably won't ever see anything like that again, and hopefully not. The world shouldn't have that kind of uh, battle again. We hope not. But the sheer majestic, I don't know if that's the word he used, but he just the massive amounts. All the way down the beach, as far as one eye could see, from one way and the other way, there was a never-ending line of ships unloading men, supplies, tanks, trucks, jeeps, and he said, you know, fuel tanks. It was being unloaded. All this had been meticulously planned. Of course, everything didn't go as planned, but everything got to the beach after the D-Day heroes secured the beachhead. And so... I, I didn't tell you about that last week, and I, I meant to, but that's my cousin Earl Montgomery's eyewitness report to me. Of course, he went on in battle and fought across uh, France and into Germany, and he made it home alive. But that, the the fact that he t- he said he he took a vial of that sand, he had to have some sand of what. Uh, what that meant for him to see that sight, to smell the smells. And he said that that was such a an imprint in his mind that, you know, he could never get it out of his mind. And he when, this, when he shared it with me, he said that he could close his eyes and he could smell that. He could look at that sand. He said he'd open up that vial sometimes. And he said maybe it was his imagination, but he could smell he could close his eyes, and he could be right there on that beach, right then, still smelling the stench of death, seeing the massive armada unloading there of the men and machines ready to fight Hitler and the Nazis.
So I'm going to share that with you. Uh, I told you I was going to play a little clip. I do want to play that because uh, JT Street was there uh, drilling holes before the invasion so that the uh, boys quantity uh, hole there the, would climb the cliffs. And this is what President Reagan's talking about on the 40th anniversary of D-Day when he was president. We're here to mark that day in history when the Allied armies joined in battle to reclaim this continent to liberty. For four long years, much of Europe had been under a terrible shadow. Free nations had fallen. Jews cried out in the camps. Millions cried out for liberation. Europe was enslaved and the world prayed for its rescue. Here in Normandy, the rescue began. Here, the Allies stood and fought against tyranny in a giant undertaking unparalleled in human history. We stand on a lonely, windswept point on the northern shore of France. The air is soft, but 40 years ago at this moment, the air was dense with smoke and the cries of men, and the air was filled with the crack of rifle fire and the roar of cannon. At dawn on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, 225 rangers jumped off the British landing craft and ran to the bottom of these cliffs. Their mission was one of the most difficult and daring of the invasion, to climb these sheer and desolate cliffs and take out the enemy guns. The Allies had been told that some of the mightiest of these guns were here, and they would be trained on the beaches to stop the Allied advance. The rangers looked up and saw the enemy soldiers at the edge of the cliffs shooting down at them with machine guns and throwing grenades, and the American rangers began to climb. They shot rope ladders over the face of these cliffs and began to pull themselves up. When one ranger fell, another would take his place. When one rope was cut, a ranger would grab another and begin his climb again. They climbed, shot back, and held their footing. Soon, one by one, the rangers pulled themselves over the top, and in seizing the firm land at the top of these cliffs, they began to seize back the continent of Europe. 225 came here. After two days of fighting, only 90 could still bear arms. And behind me is a memorial that symbolizes the ranger daggers that were thrust into the top of these cliffs. And before me are the men who put them there. These are the boys of Quinta Ho. And those boys of Quinta Ho got there because men like J.T. Street had to help drill some holes to get them started. And then got back on, went back to England, then got uh, on landing craft and headed to Omaha Beach. Uh, thank God for heroes, for young men that did not, uh, did not, shrink from their duty putting country first over their lives even and that's why we live free today that's why we live free today um uh, couldn't say enough about uh president reagan uh, oh yes he, he he could give a speech and in a little bit we're in, on the second half show we're going to listen to what uh president donald trump had to say we're going to listen to some of his words but let me remind you right now you're listening to doc holiday's rock splitting politics right here on webtalkradio.net that's webtalkradio.net we're glad you're listening to us again we have uh interesting guest 
time to time clips. You'll hear things here on Doc Holliday's Rock Split and Politics. You won't hear just anywhere else. We bring out some points and things that we uh, want you to hear and think they're important to know. And we're glad you're listening to us. And we invite you to tell your friends and neighbors and uh, send out links to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. We put up our show once a week. It's up there all week. Of course, our archives, we invite you to go back to the archives. And you can look, uh, you look at the headlines and pick out some of the shows and listen to them. And what we do here at Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics is just not repeated anywhere else. There's not a format just like what we do. And I want you to understand that the reason we do this, we put this together because we believe in more liberty, more freedom, and we work to get America that way. And sometimes um, and we got started back in the Tea Party movement. We realize, and some people say, where's the Tea Party? We did a show, uh, sort of the anniversary of the Tea Party. We talked about some where the Tea Party went. But a lot of people got caught up in wanting perfection. I'm not looking for perfection because I'm not perfect. There's not anybody that's perfect. And what I want you to understand is we are on a journey, and we've got to keep moving forward. And We'll, we'll have some losses uh, during the Obama administration. There's so many things that were just completely going in the wrong direction. And some people, I still have some friends who can't stand Donald Trump, conservative friends. These never-Trumpers, they're still out there. But I have to tell them, are we not moving in the right direction? Yes, we are. Is everything perfect? No, it isn't. But we have got to move forward and keep taking steps forward for more freedom and more liberty. And that includes economically. It includes constitutionally. It includes local government, state government, and national government. And I believe we are in that position where we're moving forward toward more freedom and more liberty. I want to keep that up, and that's why we're doing Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. And that brings us right into where we are as we're talking about the D-Day invasion and what it means to world history and what it means to world history. And that was one thing that was pointed out when Donald J. Trump, President Trump, went into France. Now, there was some controversy. Uh, the NBC reporter uh, had tweeted that uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, held up the whole entire ceremony so that uh, he could have a Fox News interview of Laura Ingram. And we've played clips of her show before, and and I think she's a great, she has a great show, great insight. But Laura Ingram did not hold it up. And this later, I believe, uh, the NBC reporter, after she tweeted this and everybody was blaming Donald Trump, then she came back and said, no, you know, they were waiting on President uh, Macron uh, for the, the French president because his helicopter was late, okay? But that's how the, the president could not even get good press in, in uh, Europe. And the people would hammer him. But the good thing, most, even liberal uh, commentators said President Trump had a good speech on, on about D-Day. And he did. And I want you to hear it all. You can go to the uh, uh, right there where we introduced the show. Where it's written, I got a, uh, got a link to his entire speech. I have a, I'll put a link up for President Reagan's speech from the 40th anniversary. But listen to those. They're important speeches, both of them. 
and right now let me go ahead and let's just play this clip from uh it's about th uh, three four minutes how president trump started the speech but go back and listen to the whole thing but i got a few things i want to say after you listen to this good to have you on doc holiday's rock splitting politics President Macron, Mrs. Macron, and the people of France, to the First Lady of the United States and members of the United States Congress, to distinguished guests, veterans, and my fellow Americans, we are gathered here on Freedom's Altar on these shores, on these bluffs, on this day 75 years ago, 10,000 men shed their blood and thousands sacrificed their lives for their brothers, for their countries, and for the survival of liberty. Today we remember those who fell and we honor all who fought right here in Normandy. They won back this ground for civilization to more than 170 veterans of the Second World War who join us today. You are among the very greatest Americans who will ever live. You are the pride of our nation. You are the glory of our republic. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Here with you are over 60 veterans who landed on D-Day. Our debt to you is everlasting. Today we express our undying gratitude. When you were young, these men enlisted their lives in a great crusade, one of the greatest of all times. Their mission is the story of an epic battle and the ferocious eternal struggle between good and evil. On the 6th of June, 1944, they joined a liberation force of awesome power and breathtaking scale. After months of planning, the Allies had chosen this ancient coastline to mount their campaign to vanquish the wicked tyranny of the Nazi Empire from the face of the Earth. The battle began in the skies above us. In those first tense midnight hours, 1,000 aircraft roared overhead with 17,000 Allied airborne troops preparing to leap into the darkness beyond these trees. 
Then came dawn, the enemy who had occupied these heights saw the largest naval armada in the history of the world. Just a few miles offshore were 7,000 vessels bearing 130,000 warriors. They were the citizens of free and independent nations united by their duty to their compatriots and to millions yet unborn. There were the British whose nobility and fortitude saw them through the worst of Dunkirk and the London Blitz. The full violence of Nazi fury was no match for the full grandeur of British pride. Thank you. There were the Canadians whose robust sense of honor and loyalty compelled them to take up arms alongside Britain from the very, very beginning. There were the fighting Poles, the tough Norwegians, and the intrepid Aussies. There were the gallant French commandos, soon to be met by thousands of their brave countrymen ready to write a new chapter in the long history of French valor. And finally, there were the Americans. They came from the farms of a vast heartland, the streets of glowing cities and the forges of mighty industrial towns. Before the war, many had never ventured beyond their own community. Now they had come to offer their lives half a world from home. This beach, codenamed Omaha, was defended by the Nazis with monstrous firepower, thousands and thousands of mines and spikes driven into the sand so deeply. It was here that tens of thousands of the Americans came the GIs who boarded the landing craft that morning knew that they carried on their shoulders not just the pack of a soldier, but the fate of the world. You heard uh, President Trump. They, they carried not just a pack on their shoulder, but the weight of the world. Go back to what I told you about my uh, cousin who was in World War to uh, Earl Montgomery when he was telling me about the sights and sounds and smells that he had when he came onto the beach two or three days after the June the 6th uh, D-Day. And it was entirely the weight of the world. These men had to make a beachhead. They had to succeed. They had to fulfill their mission. And so many did and gave their lives to fulfill that mission. It was a horrible day in death and in injuries, wounded, and yet it was victorious for the Allies. 
victorious for the American soldiers who had ingenuity when they had to, like I told you about J.T. Street, saying, dump your gear, get the backpacks off, we got to stay alive. Because he was seeing people sink to the bottom and dying before they even got to shoot at the Nazis. And that, my friend, was just the beginning as they hit the beachhead. And you can watch Saving Private Ryan, the movie Steven Spielberg did, and see the death, the chaos and uh, that was Omaha Beach and the beachhead. And yet the American soldiers found a way to secure victory, but at a great cost. But that's why I wanted to tell you what Earl Montgomery's memory was when he came in the second and third day uh, uh, after D-Day. The massive amount of machines and men, the soldiers who were the invasion to rid Europe of the Nazi tyranny. It, the beachhead was secured. The war really began to knock Hitler completely out and free an enslaved continent. So thank you to the men and women who endured that time. But it also reflects the reason why I played back uh, the tape of FDR at Gettysburg last week on the 75th anniversary of Gettysburg. We have this ability that goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War where men and women who want to live free are willing to fight and put country over their lives. And thank you to the men and women and serving in the military today, my niece, my nephew, uh, there's so many people that we all have family members who are serving and thank God for each one of you God bless you thank you for carrying on your tradition of keeping America free and putting your lives on the line God bless you God bless the United States of America we'll see you next week we'll get back into some politics next week on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics see you then Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen, or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.